0: Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome to the Think Orange podcast,
2: a
0: podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohentz.
3: G'day everyone, my name is Dave, I am one of the hosts of the Think Orange podcast. This is episode 76 and for the second week in a row, I am on my own in the Think Orange bunker. That's right, sitting here shivering in a little blanket because the host, Ashley, who's normally in with me, I think she might be out trying to get the heating turned back on. It is freezing in here, fall has hit in Georgia, I hope it's sunny wherever you're listening from or you've got the heater cranked up in your car because it's not hot here, once again, whenever I'm alone, Kevin Jennings, senior, our illustrious producer, pushes his little face up against the portal window. Kevin, how are you today? Great. Is it cold out there? The heat's on in here. The what? The heat is on out. What? Okay. We need to get through this so that I get out there into the heat. Hey, you know, there's going to be heat in here because we have an amazing episode for you today we are going to be hearing from Ted Lowe. He is a marriage guru, very funny guy. Uh, I actually passed him on the way into the Think Orange bunker. I told him we've got you on the show today. He was incredibly thrilled. We're going to hear a clip that he recorded recently on the hows and whys of a married people strategy at your church. I am sure you're going to get a whole ton out of it. That Because Ted is a speaker, a blogger, and the director of Married People here at Orange. And he also used to be the director of Married Life at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. But before that, he worked at Saddleback Community Church as a youth pastor. I mean, this guy has got some impeccable credentials. You're going to absolutely love hearing from him. And then straight after that, we're going to have an interview with Todd Graham. Todd is a family pastor, speaker, church strategist, and creative with marriedpeople.org, the married division of Rethink. He's also a speaker at Orange Conference and in cities across the U.S. Todd lives in Atlanta, and he was interviewed by our good friends Sarah Bragg and Holly Crawshaw, who you guys have heard many times on this podcast. It's going to be some great content today on creating a volunteer-led marriage ministry. So make sure you take some notes and pass it on to whoever does marriage ministry at your church, or even take some notes and pass it on to your senior leadership if you. You don't have a marriage ministry in your church because I've listened to this content and it's very, very practical. Hey, before we do get into that though, I just want to tell you that today's episode is proudly sponsored by Orange Conference 2019. Kevin Jennings Sr., are you are going to be going to Orange Conference 2019? Right next to you. You're going to be sitting right next to me. Next to you. Well, I hope the heating is on and it's nice and warm in there. I'm sure it will be because the Orange Conference is an incredible conference. It's actually three days in Atlanta, Georgia, for your entire family ministry team. Now, now the theme for next year's Orange Conference is make it Personal. You know, make it personal is such a powerful idea in the narcissistic world that we live in with social media and YouTube and all that sort of thing. But making it personal really is what makes a difference. I mean, there is a reason why some volunteers have a deeper commitment at your church. There is a reason why some parents engage on a more practical level with their children. There's a reason why some ministries make an impact, some churches have a wider influence, and some leaders leave a lasting mark. It happens when they make it personal. And you know what? This is a biblical. Concept. I mean, things changed when Jesus got personal, when he called Zacchaeus by name, when he spent time at Mary and Martha's house, when he asked each individual disciple to follow him when he addressed the Samaritan woman's past, and when he intercepted Saul on the road to Damascus. Jesus was always making it personal. That's what it's all about, Kevin Jennings Sr. Don't you agree? Yes. See, even Kevin Jennings Sr. agrees that things change and differences are made when people get personal. So that's what we're going to be talking about at Orange Conference 2019. And here's the deal. On our last podcast, I decided uh, on a whim just to give away two tickets to the 2019 Orange Conference. And all you had to do was go to my Instagram, follow me and comment with the Orange Conference on any of my posts. And you know what, Kevin Jennings Sr., that went so well, I'm doing it again. What do you think of that? What? I'm doing it again. What do you think of that? What? I'm doing it again. What do you think of that? Should I do that? Okay. All right. I'm going to do it again. So here's the deal. If you want to win two tickets to the 2019 Think Orange Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, all you need to do, I'm going to do the same competition again. It's easy. If you didn't know it, listen to it last week. I'll share it again right now. All you need to do is go to Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Aussie Dave, A-U-S-S-I-E Dave at AussieDave.com. Follow me And then comment on any of my posts with the words, the orange conference, any post, it doesn't matter. My most recent one, one I did a couple of days ago, whatever, I will track them. I will keep a tally of every new follower I have. I'll keep a tally of everybody who comments with the orange conference. And then I will pick a winner randomly to win two more tickets. Uh, Kevin Jenningsen, do you think I'm going to get in trouble for doing this? They didn't say anything last time. So let's do it again. You know what? I'll ask for forgiveness, not permission. Because I want to serve the people who listen to this podcast faithfully. So I'm going to give you a chance to win two tickets to the Orange Conference 2019. All you need to do is follow the instructions that I said 30 seconds ago. If you didn't hear them, rewind. Podcasts can rewind. So rewind 30 seconds and just listen to what I had to say again. Okay, and as you do that, I'm going to throw it over to my good friend, Ted Lowe. Take it away, Ted.
1: I have to tell you, when I first started and I started looking around other places in the country, when it came to marriage ministry way back in 2001, I wasn't that encouraged. You know, I kind of thought once when I got that job, I thought, I'm just going to rip people off, right? I'm going to rip it off in the name of Jesus. I'm going to look and see what's out there. And I was really surprised at what I found because there wasn't a whole lot of things. There were a lot of things for couples in crisis to do on their own, but what I couldn't find is a church strategy that wraps around couples all together. So that's what we keep doing year after year and focusing on that. So um, do we have any married people partners in here that you've been doing married people for a while? Okay, for you, some of you could teach this breakout and this is kind of married people one-on-one. And so what we've done for these leaders, as we have a lot, we're going to hear from some other church leaders. You're going to see a lot of different examples for you. So, just so I have been thinking about you as we've prepped for this. Uh, for the rest of you, we're just going to unpack this uh, piece by piece. But I think there's some really, really good news when it comes to, to marriage ministry. I feel like leaders have made some shifts over the years they have just blown me, blown me away. But we're going to start first, just super quickly, with some approaches that may fa- fall a little bit short. Now, these are, for some churches, you're going to go, man, we're going to be in one of these categories. For other, others of you, you said, man, we want to move out of these categories. And for other of you, you're going, these don't apply to us. And the, but the first one here, approaches that fall short is a hands-off approach. There's some churches, they're saying, Sunday is coming, and we've got all that we can say grace over. We, this, we cannot focus on marriage. We cannot add that to our equation. And then there's people go, wait a minute, we need to hit it. Head the game. How many uh, children's pastors do we have in here? Yeah. How many of you are tired of hearing the sad stories about different families breaking up in your church? We, you wouldn't believe, we did a survey and 26% of our leaders are children's pastors. One of, one of them, one of my favorite that does one of the best of, she's actually single. And she says to me, she says, I know that if I'm gonna love them well, that I'm gonna help their parents. She goes, we create marriage events that I'm not even sure I should be at. She said, but this is what we want to do. And what we say around here all the time is the best thing you can do for kids is help their mom and dad's marriage. And sometimes, let's be honest, that's mom and stepdad's marriage, that's stepdad and mom's. Sometimes that's foster parents. Sometimes that's grandparents. Sometimes that's the leaders, your small group leaders, may be the only marriage that these kids are seeing. Your marriage may be the only marriage, good model that kids are seeing. So we're saying we want to impact every marriage that impacts a kid. If for no other reason, we don't impact every marriage that impacts a kid. And we start thinking about this whole idea of the topical approach. And you're saying, you know what? I know what we'll do. We'll do a book. We'll do a sermon series. We'll talk about it every, we'll have a retreat every couple of years. We'll do a Valentine's Day banquet. Here's the thing. Marriage is not a topic to be covered. It is a relationship to be discipled. And this topical approach is just not how marriages work. It's not how they roll. Another, this is very common as a reactionary approach. That we have this, we're just gonna to react to marriages. We will address marriages as marriages address us. When they knock on the door, will we talk to them? Absolutely. We would, how could we not? But here's what I feel like it happens time after time after time, and it certainly has happened to me. When couples call the church and say, we need to meet today. They've created this, mess for 12 years, but they need to meet today. And I watch senior pastors and other church leaders will stop everything they're doing and meet with this couple. And I don't mean to be cynical, but here's what I found to be true. is a lot of times by the time a couple calls the church, they're not looking for reconciliation. They're looking for justification. They want to be able to say, especially if they have kids, we tried everything. We even talked to the guy at church. We talk to the marriage lady at church. Even their parents want to be able to say it. You know, they tried everything. We have to reach out to couples while they will still take our hands. We have to reach out to them long before they reach out to us. Because how many of you have sit down with a couple and finally a spouse is on the line in the sand. She says, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. He goes, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And they somehow drag them into the church office and sit there and meet with the pastor. And they'll say... If he'd have said this to me six months ago, I would have probably thought about it. If she had asked me six months ago, I maybe thought about it. How many times could we get those couples if we catch them right before that one spouse says, I'm all done? Wouldn't it be great? How do we do that? So what's the different approach? And this is approach that I've watched church after church and I've met with so many of you over the years at Orange Conference. And it's so different. The first year I did Orange Conference was six years ago and and I'll do this for right now. Raise your hand if you work full-time at a church, okay? Keep your hand up if part of that's marriage ministry. Now, uh, now, uh, raise your hand if you work part-time at a church. Keep it up if part of that involves marriage ministry. Raise your hand if you're a volunteer and you work with marriage ministry. These are all the people going to heaven, by the way. Uh, (laughs) The first year I asked all three of those questions, you know how many hands I got? One. And I thought, Wow we got a long way to go, and I've watched churches. You guys are killing it. A lot of you are getting it. I used to feel like during these things, I had to convince people to do marriage ministry. You need to do it, and we'd tell sad stories. Come on, come on, come on. You guys are like, I don't need that. I don't have to spend any time today convincing you that this is necessary, do I? We all get it, so we get to just dive in, and we want to have a different approach, and I've watched churches have this different approach, this proactive approach and this strategic approach why do we do that? I think there's been some shifts that have been made over the years from church leaders. I used to say, these are the shifts that churches need to make. Now I get to say, these are the shifts that churches have made. And it's been so fun. Here's the first one. From intervention to prevention. From intervention to prevention. Do we need a plan for intervention? Absolutely. We need to quit reacting to somebody calling the church. We need to have a plan. We need to have counselors we can point to, whether that's in-house or out-of-house. We need to have some plan of a small group, some kind of mentor. We need to have that plan. But we need to move, I feel like, the majority of our time to prevention. We need to move the majority of our time to prevention. When people say, oh, we don't spend any time on marriage at our church, I go, okay, give me all the hours that you spent with couples in crisis and, the, and how much staff salary that represents. And let's say how many hours that's this. Let's say you spent 40 hours last year doing that. And we say, what about for 2017, you spend 40 hours working on everybody else's marriage that's not falling apart. What could happen with 40 hours? Not 40 hours a week. What could happen with 40 hours This year, And I watched churches move from this idea. Because here's the thing. Intervention, when it comes to intervention, is emotional and the results are measurable. When we do intervention, it's, it's emotional. If somebody comes in and they're falling apart and the church is part of saving their marriage, that's emotional and that's measurable. They were gonna get a divorce and now they didn't. And that's a beautiful story and we wanna get excited. We want that to be great but there's a far superior story because prevention is neither emotional nor measurable, but it's a far superior story. It's like, it's great when a youth ministry helps get a kid kid off drugs, but it's a better story when a youth ministry helps kids from getting drugs in the first place, right? That's a far superior story. It just is not sensational. And when you do preventative things to help married couples, we're not gonna hear those stories until heaven, a lot of them, because we don't know what we've prevented. We don't know what we've prevented because they're not calling the church with good news, right? No one's calling, you know, the receptionist going, hey, could you tell pastor that we were living like roommates and now we're living like red hot lovers? (laughs) Nobody's calling with that news, right? We don't know what we've prevented. They don't know what we've prevented. We don't know how many families that could have been, that were going to split that didn't split. We don't know how many kids that didn't have to go back and forth to mom and dad's house their whole life because of what we created. We just have to be okay with a superior story. You know, people that help people with diet and exercise, they don't have a big emotional story. They don't have a show. What they do have is a superior story. And when we get preventative, that's what it does. Here's another shift from children's ministry to family ministry, from children's ministry to family ministry. For so many years, there's just been these silos where we're not working together and we get in this competition with each other of who's going to hit the calendar first and, and who's going to win this and whose ministry could do it bigger, better, faster. Instead of saying, no, no, let's think about the life of a kid. And that kid's life includes the adults in his life that are married. How do we do that? How do we shift our mindset from just focusing in the silo of making Sunday great, which that's important, to making home great too? If you've been around orange for a while, you hear, what is yellow is, you know, light of the church, red is love of the family. Together they make orange. When love of the family is not going great, I don't know what color it makes tangerine. I don't know what an ugly color of orange is. But, well, they're all kind of ugly, but you, you know what I'm saying. Right? So we move from that model. And we start pouring into, and again, I'm seeing children's pastors going, I get this. and That's why I want to be a part of this. I see youth pastors too saying they want to be a part of it. And I watch youth ministries that are serving, that are coming around events. You'll see youth hanging around at different marriage events. They're also usually end up asking for money for their mission trip. That's a whole different thing. That's okay. That's okay. We'll throw money in the jar, right? But it's this idea of how do we shift? Here's another shift from isolation to Relationships. From isolation to relationships. We live, a lot of us live, not all of us, live, where people aren't living with their friends and families that they, that they grew up with. There's a book called Hold Me Tight. It's a secular book by Dr. Sue Johnson. And she talks about this dynamic of how our new culture of us moving around a lot impacts our marriage. And uh, one of the things she said is, couples are trying to get from each other, those who have moved away from friends and family, or they moved away from family, said, we're trying to get from one person what we used to get from a village. We're trying to get from one person what we used to get from a village. Somebody has a bad day at work, they walk up, they're going up, grandpa's sitting on the front porch, how was your day? It was awful, let me tell you all about it. Goes in the house, wife goes, hey, how how was work today? Oh, great. Why? Because they have other people. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, we live in the land where people push the garage door, go in, drop the door down, and they live in, you know, behind closed doors. I can't tell you how many small groups that I hear about that couples are, are meeting together and yet they're not being real and they're not being transparent about their marriage. They're living in isolation because they feel like they're the only ones that don't doesn't have it together. Here's what we say all the time is we have to say to couples constantly that struggle is normal, but hope is available. We got to say both, because I hear people saying, oh yeah, marriage is hard, it's terrible, it's awful, it's the worst, I know how you feel, and then they move on. Yeah, struggles, yeah, struggles, right, but hope's available, that we got to paint it in a different picture, and we've got to tell people that they've got to put people around their marriage that is for their marriage. I don't believe anybody divorces. The majority of people do not divorce in isolation. They find a group of people around them to say, yeah, you do deserve better. And sometimes, let's be honest, divorce is the only option for people. But let's be really honest, for most people, it is not the best option. And if we've got people around them saying, yeah, you need to get out of there that commiserate with each other and say, yeah, he is a jerk. We need to have people that surrounds marriages that care more about the person than they do the person liking them. And that's difficult, but we've got to pour into that. And we say all the time, don't advocate for the spouse, advocate for the marriage. And we do that in different ways. We wanna talk about how to do that, but we've gotta put people around people because they're living in isolation. We gotta move from information to experience. You drive by a library every day, maybe a Christian bookstore. Do they still have bookstores? Uh, anyway, you're on Google where you can find every book on marriage. I mean, like, the content is there. The information is there. And let me tell you something. As somebody that reads it, it's amazing. There's some great content. The problem is people are not experiencing that content. They're not going to read that. How do we help them experience this? We can, talk about affirm- we can talk about affection, or we can allow people to make out at our events, amen to that. And I just love it that he's sitting in her lap, right? It is a thing. How do we help them to do that? We can have them read a book on the power of affirmation in their marriage, or we can tell them to fill in the fallen blank on a date. The thing about you that makes me say, wow, is this. We create dates and all we want to do is for them to laugh and to affirm each other. And People go, that doesn't sound very spiritual. And I'll say, neither does divorce. Right? How do we help them experience that affirmation? My wife and I wrote that fill in the blank and I lived off her answer for six months. Right? Because those things matter. Where are, we cu- where are people being cued to be great at their marriage? We get to do that. We get to help them experience that. Here's a uh, church that did 80s date night. Help them date. This is another thing c- churches are loving. And then we got to move from feminine to feminine and masculine. Amen. Where's my amen here? Yes. Well, here's the thing with this, is we learned at the very beginning that we knew in the church that I was in that we were gonna have a hard time getting guys there because at the time, and it could still be the case, there's a study done about marriage ministry that was preachy, boring, outdated, and feminine. Marriage had image problems, and for a lot of us, it still does, and so we knew that our toughest audience, our toughest person to come is gonna be guys, you know? stereotypically, you know, not always. Sometimes it's role reversal, but stereotypically that's the case. And what we found is when we made it more masculine than, than feminine, that, that honored women more than anything we could possibly do. When they're dragging their husbands through the door, he thinks he's going into a Valentine's Day banquet. And he comes in and you got music up and you got fun up and you're... And the room doesn't look like it's got doilies and, you know, a bridal shower all there together. And there's cool, fun food for them. And they're hearing what we call Braves game music. People that, it's music that people know from eight to 80. And they walk in and they go, oh, okay. All right, I'm going to make it handle this. And we start doing things. And that way it feels like it's them. It changes everything. When we make it fun, they want to be there. When we make it masculine, they want to be there. When it look and feel of it, it changes everything. This is, Heather's gonna be up here in just a minute. So this is from Heather's church uh, talking about this whole idea of feminine to masculine. The ladies have uh, roses, bouquet, and they have bouquets of beef jerky. (laughs) Okay, and you said this couple had been married how long? One month month, and this couple, how many? 76 years. years. And here's my thing. I look at churches and I say, we have young marrieds. What about the rest of us? Because I don't know about you. When I was a young married, yeah, I needed help, but I needed help at your... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? And we separate them from this. Are you kidding me? Let's put them together, and they're going to have a great time. You, the only thing you're going to get pushed back if your music was loud, just give them earplugs. They're great. Let them be. Let them be together. How do you make it masculine? And, and when you do that, what I always got from women after we do their events, it was never like, "Hey, that wasn't romantic enough." What I'll get is, "Thank you," as they're walking out the door. How do we do that? We make it fun the look and feel. And here's the thing. When you're talking to graphics people, when you're talking to people decorating the tables, you've got to cast this vision because their brain will not go there naturally. You say marriage event, they're not going to think, you know, monster truck. And they need to. Okay? All right. Here's the other one. Another paradigm shift. From general to focused. From general to focused. Again, how do we hone down that content? What is it? I would encourage you to get around with a group of people and say, if, church, if couples could get three, four, five things, what would they be? What could those be? And you know, we've done that with children's ministry. We've done that with students. We've done the hard work of it. So we try to do, at least cast a vision for this. This is our way of doing it. Through married people and married people's strategy, we have what we call the core four habits. They have serious fun. Proverbs 5, Solomon's trying to scare the pants on his son. 14 verses is saying stay away from the adulterous woman her feet will lead you straight to the grave you'll get to the end of your life and you'll say oh how i hate to discipline my life is ruined and then i'm thinking okay all right how do you protect your marriage against the big bad bear of adultery give him, give the guys some dues and it stops and it says be captivated by the wife of your youth we say the best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage That having fun is a couple it's not extra it's essential The next one is love God first. And you go, why don't you put love God first first? Because fun opens the heart to deeper things. And we we were working with couples, and we knew if we say as a couple, you need to go do fill in the blank, that half our audience was gone because their couple wouldn't go do fill in the blank with them. As a couple, you need to go pray together. A couple, you need to go and do devotionals together, and that's great, but you're gonna cast out half your crew, and we said, you know what? I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says as a couple you need to except for parenting, but I can say husbands do this and wives do this. What if we empowered people as individuals to love God first? Because it makes it, us a better spouse and in a way we could never love them on our own, right? When I sit down with Jesus in the morning, I'm a better husband to need to love. No doubt about it. He makes me more of the man that she needs me to be. And so we say, love God first. The yeah, there's respect and love. Instead of love and respect, Ephesians says, Very repetitive about that, but we start with respect first because Ephesians 5 starts with it and says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That we live in homes that say, You first, no, you first, no, you first, no, you first. Women, do you want to be respected? Do we respect it at home? What about at work? What about as a mom? What about as a wife? Yes. And we do a message saying that women don't want that, we're going to get in trouble because it's not true. It's not what we're commanded to do. Only thing we're saying here, but for men, they want obscene amounts of respect. It's just how they're hardwired. And it's not an issue of hierarchy. It's an issue of their heart. It's just what God, and I said to my wife, I said, you realize I'd rather you respect me than love me, right? And she goes, okay. And I says, that makes sense. And she goes, not even a little. But my heart, but that's what heart of a man craves, but so does a heart of a woman. So how do we talk about respect and love? And it's got a relationship there. Here's the other, practice your promise. We spent $72 billion in this country last year on weddings, 72 billion. We broke the internet. You can't find any stats for what people spend on their marriage. What did Carlos talk about last night that he could find out what to do when a dog eats a chicken? (laughs) We broke the internet. You can't find what people spend on their marriage. So how do we do that? How do we help them practice what they promise? Marriage is not about the big day. It's about the everyday. It's about those moments If it was about the big gestures, celebrities would have great marriages, right? Because they could afford them. We know it's made up of of small things.
0: Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We are here at Orange Conference 2018. And what our friend Aussie Dave says is the bunker. I, I don't know. Bunker yeah thank you for that australian the bunker. accent. right that was on, completely on par <laughs> that was great but i'm sarah bragg and i'm here with my good friend holly crawshaw i'm
2: not australian i know they Which all thought that probably so surprising to all of you guys based on that stellar accent i yes. just infected yes infected. well and and we are here with
0: our new friend todd graham so welcome to the table
4: thanks it's great to be here
0: yes and so i was looking over your bio and there's a couple of points that I feel like we mm-hmm. have some similarities. Mm-hmm. Do tell. First of all, you went to Lee University. I did. So did I. Did you? And so, so did, did, her did my husband. Hun.
4: Really? Yes.
0: Yeah. So what when, when did you graduate?
4: I'm going to show my age. Six. We like to...
0: Okay, well I graduated in 2000, so I wasn't that far off.
4: Not too far.
0: Like I was probably a lowly freshman.
2: When you graduated, right? <laughs> Just roaming those lee streets. Those lee streets. With so much leadership and pride. Just carefree, <laughs> senior, Todd, big man on campus. Yeah. Yeah, that was you, right?
4: Or something. <laughs> or something.
0: And then you currently live in Marietta, Georgia. I do. As do I.
4: Small world. Holly
0: does not. <laughs> but I do. So I live in downtown Marietta. Where do you live?
4: Uh, very nice. We're out in West Cobb area.
0: Okay. Well yeah. Yes, we ride horses out in West Cobb. Oh, my daughter fine. does. Uh, we don't ride horses. No. At all. And I say we, I don't. I just watch. And I live <laughs> vicariously through my daughter who rides horses. But um, So I was reading that. I was like, no way. How have our paths not crossed thus far?
4: They might have. You just didn't know.
0: Right. You could have been walking down the streets. <laughs>
4: I I often do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, well we are happy to be here. Yeah, we're we're so excited. And we're going to get to talk a lot about marriage and marriage ministry with you today.
4: One of my favorite topics.
0: Good deal.
2: So Todd, tell us a little bit about just your background, what you're doing right now, what you've done in the last few years.
4: After graduating, I got into public safety. I've been a firefighter and police officer for the county that I live in, just north of Atlanta. In Cobb County. Yep.
2: That awesome. is intense, thank, Todd. Thank you. You're always keeping my county safe, <laughs> and I have caught my house on fire before. So, <laughs> you have my kitchen.
1: I'm sorry. I <laughs> <did you> <laughs>
2: That's another. This is podcast. another podcast, Todd. So, all right. So, public safety, and then after that.
4: Well, uh, during that time, I volunteered at churches, and I started filling in for youth pastors when they took sabbaticals or churches when they needed somebody because I grew up volunteering in, in the youth area. But after so many years of entering people's houses during emergencies and and finding kids (laughs) huddled in corners during domestic disputes or when something's medically gone wrong and just my heart continued to break Mm. and i wanted to do something more for them so i i started um, pastoring full-time while keeping my police officer job right and so i worked uh, the third watch so i'd work at nighttime where you actually encounter more
2: I was going to Family say, I was probably busiest win- yeah. of that kind yeah, of. Yeah,
4: very much so. And then I'd show up on uh, Sunday morning and and teach kids.
2: Wow, that's incredible. I don't feel like you hear many
0: people who have that background that they at go all. into mm-hmm. ministry. Is that true, or am I just, or do you do you know a lot of people who started that way and then ended up in ministry?
4: I don't know anybody who started that. Right. The church I worked at was actually in Atlanta, so it was it was interesting to come in on Sunday mornings and change out of my uniform and pack the guns away in my trunk and then put on my. A guitar and sing about Noah's Ark and, and other things and try to teach kids a gospel so you, truth.
2: So you went to Lee, which is a, is a Christian did. college. Yes, it is. So when you were in college, what what did you want to do? Did you foresee yourself going into public safety?
4: I wanted to do anything except for um, going to public safety or be a pastor.
2: Great. See, so, the lesson learned for
0: anyone listening don't ever say never. Because <laughs> Isn't that true? All the things that we say, I will never do that or I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm not that.
2: equipped to do that. It somehow. is so true. stories about that. Yeah,
4: that was actually going to go into broadcasting.
2: Okay, that's what I was going to well, do, Well, guys, too. full circle. <laughs> right. Here we are, broadcasting, broadcast. You have a Dreams come true, Todd. I'm so glad we could help those <laughs> dreams come true. <laughs> All right, Todd. So um, right now, you are working with married people at Orange. So I work at Orange. You work at Orange. You work with MarriedPeople.org, right? I do. So intermittently, that's what Todd does. So what Married People does is it helps churches create a strategy for married couples. So here's my question, which seems intuitive congregations are made up of mostly married couples, True, and yet most churches don't have a strategy for married people. Why do you think that is?
4: I honestly think a lot of churches get stuck in their main focus being what we can control and provide as a program on Sunday mornings, Right, and marriage doesn't fall under that in the normal thought process. It doesn't
0: feel like a felt need a lot of times.
4: It doesn't. Because they're
0: going to show up.
4: Right. But they're also going to hide a lot. Sunday morning is the biggest lie ever.
2: I agree. I used to
4: have an office that overlooked. It was was in a corner where I could see the entire parking lot. I had a window on each corner. And I watched the families get out of their cars on Sunday mornings, fussing at each other. The the dads slamming the doors and trying to get the kids dressed and wipe the cereal off their face and put the phones down. And and families get out of their car a little frustrated. Sunday morning is the most...
2: I was going to say, were you watching my family? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hurry up. Right.
4: It's everybody. <laughs> right. But as soon as they hit that door on Sunday mornings, the question comes out, Hey, how are you? And everybody says what? Great! Yes, and everybody puts yes. their smile on. It's just not true because statistically at least 50% of the couples that are sitting in the pews that morning have some sort of mar- marital stress going on. Totally. Uh, that doesn't mean they're in crisis. It means it could be stress. It could be kids. It could be schedules. It's jobs, mortgages, you name it. And it takes a toll on marriages. And most people aren't investing any time to work to better their their marriage relationship. Right. And since it's such a hidden thing and everybody puts their smile on that the church is more focused on, I think, um, just their Sunday morning programming and what they can provide for the people that show up.
0: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of even churchgoers recognize the importance of a children's ministry or student ministry or even a missions ministry, um, but they just don't see like And it's because it's such a thing that most churches don't have, have this marriage ministry. But what are some things that a marriage ministry, if a church had that, what are some things that a marriage ministry could do to grow marriages?
4: Uh, Just provide the two things that every marriage needs. And when you, I kind of hate the phrase marriage ministry, because it sounds again, like all of a sudden we have to do a a production and a program and, and curriculums and all these things. But when we don't, that's not what, that's not what couples need. And, when you look back, that's not what Jesus provided. You, we, don't, we don't have record of him starting programs and giving great sermons in churches. He went to people's homes and, and met them where they were at. That's uh, great. The two things that couples need right now, number one is a cheerleader. They just need somebody who gets it and tells them that they're doing a good job. Yes. Uh, if, if you were to take an average couple at your church, I mean, try it this Sunday and look, look one of the ladies in the face and say, hey, you're a good wife. You got your family to church today. And you support you clearly taking care of the kids, or, or, or look at a guy in the face and say, "Hey, you're a male that showed up on Sunday morning, brought your family to church. Kudos to you. Most men aren't doing that nowadays, and and you're doing good. A lot of them will break into tears or wonder why <laughs> oh you're God. doing this. What well, is? This? I'm actually
2: thinking, yes, I wish someone would say right. that to me? Well, because
0: as an adult, like you are not, you're not normally in places where people are cheering for you. Nope. That's just not something that happens anymore.
2: You're, they're either competing with you right. or it feels like they're judging you or right. critiquing you.
0: No one is coming along, whether that's in your business, your job, or you know, relationships, your kids, your husband, your friends. No yeah. one is saying that.
4: But the church should be. Yes. And just that would make a difference. See, as soon as I said that, the both of you started thinking about it and both your faces lit up. You just imagine somebody telling you, hey, you're a great mom, you're a, you're a great wife. to your husband and it changes the game. And that's a three second conversation. Uh, I'm a road runner and I do marathons and I've been running the same race for 20 years. 19 of those years, there's a couple that is much faster than me and they beat me to the line and, and I know they're there every year. There's thousands of people that run this race because they always show back up at mile 18 Yes, I'm that slow.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, I would be at like mile seven.
4: But I noticed them because they already have their medals on and they're covered in sweat, but they've got this huge sign that they hold up every single year and it says two words. It says, go you. And it's for everybody. And all they do is cheer. And it makes me smile every time. And I really think that's the church's job with marriages and parenting. Mm -hmm. If we can just uh, tell a couple, hey, go you. You can do this. The reason the cheerleading for, for marriage is so important is because couples divorce when they're in isolation.
2: Absolutely. They, when they yes. don't feel
4: like there's somebody with them on their team, they always feel like they're the only ones dealing with the problems that they have, but that is not true at all. Right. You're not dealing with anything that's new. Yes. And, and guaranteed, there are four other couples sitting in the same pew as you that morning on Sunday that are dealing with the same thing. And that
2: look just as put together.
4: Absolutely. We're Her doing kids great. kids are all
2: in matching yes. outfits. And, right. Yeah.
4: No troubles. What and was this? The, the the cheerleading factor will change the game just to tell them that they're doing well
0: Yeah so what's the second thing you said two things that
4: give them a toolbox. Give them, just give them some quick how-tos, and it doesn't have to be difficult. I hate the phrase that we've been telling couples for years when they get married. Marriage takes hard what? Uh, work. work. You see, y'all hear it all the yes. time. But who wants to spend wants to an hour commute to work, work their tail off for eight to ten hours, yes. come back home, and start to do hard work to make their marriage work? It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't.
0: And isn't that what, like, when you, especially when you started your relationship, you probably had a lot of fun with
2: that person.
4: That's why it you got together in the first work. place. didn't feel work. Right.
2: Right. And then when it doesn't feel like work anymore, or it does start feeling like work, you're like, "Well, something's broken," right? Because now it's not easy and fun and carefree right. and right, which, so is, we just which stop. isn't true. Right,
4: it's just a little stressed, but. We let two things happen in America with zero education. It's get married and have kids. The two things we should probably have the best Isn't classes the on thing? is get married I mean, and having kids. Should,
2: should there not be like a licensure exam? We were just saying this with someone
0: <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. We had this conversation. need to know. About parenting. Like they just literally handed me a kid and I walked out of the
2: hospital. Like, we were driving like, home. It was raining. And I was uh, like, we are in... Like We're in charge of this like, human head This kid is
0: not going to last an hour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you Let's know? drop this child <laughs> off somewhere. Or like we,
0: my husband and I were just reminiscing on like when we were dating and we, I, he got married young. I'm six years older than my husband. And we often you know, there was, there was some spiritual advisors that counseled us to not get married yet. And we were like, whatever. We do what we want to do, you know, like peace out. But we look and it worked out fine. But looking back, there were things that probably would have been easier even if we had like had more coaching in that, like that, sure. like you know, just what you're saying. Like, no one gives you any kind of like, there's no test to see if you're qualified to do this.
2: So, the truth is about churches is that we have these programs, like we've said, for children, we have programs for students, we have programs even for the addicted and, and the divorced, but we don't have a ton of programs for for married people that are truly strategically planned for married people. So Todd, tell me this, explain why every church should place just as much value on developing a marriage ministry, um, just as much effort and finances and planning as they would say a children's ministry.
4: It's, it's really trickle, trickle down emotional economics is what we, mm-hmm. what we call it. I, I got into a f- full-time kids ministry because I was watching families fall apart out in my own community. Right, and I worked for years trying to get to the heart of the kid, and mm-hmm. I, I came to Orange Conference every year since since they started, and oh, I kept really? hearing this phrase. That's a long time. It is to get to the heart of the home, you have to get to the heart of the parents, right? When you want to combine what happens on Sunday morning, you want to get it back mm-hmm. into the households from Monday through Saturday, right? right. So if I want to get to the heart of my kid and the hearts of the homes, then I have to get to the heart of the parents. But it stopped there. There was there's there's No explanation for what happens after that. Well, how do you get to the heart of the parents? Get to the heart of their marriage. Right. Mm And I was struggling with this, how to do it, actually, when I met Ted Lowe from Married People. <laughs> we were at a, a different conference event. He was running a booth. And I saw him underneath a table during one of the conferences stretching his back. He had pulled it out. So I <laughs> sat down underneath I the table He with was him. going
0: like he was hiding. Like <laughs> I thought that's where we were going.
4: Well, I don't know the real reason he was Right. the table. Maybe that was it. Maybe he was hiding. I don't know.
2: Ted, be honest.
4: <laughs> but um, I got down underneath the table. I introduced myself and I told him what I do and why I do it. And I said, and I think you might be my my piece. I want to get the heart of my kids. So I have to get to the heart of their parents. So I, I think I need to get to the hearts of their marriage. Doesn't this complete the orange circle? And he looked at me and just stared for about 20 seconds and said, yes, can we have lunch? Because it sounds so hard. How do How do you get invested into somebody's marriage when they don't know you? They're dropping their kid off to you Sunday morning. Don't talk to me about my marriage. You don't have a clue.
0: Well, it's very vulnerable. Very. A lot of times you don't want to talk
2: about your marriage with someone you don't know or in mixed company. Especially if it's going poorly or if there's a strain and you're in church and you're not supposed to have issues if you go to church and you're married.
4: Which goes back to the isolation factor, which is why you feel it. So I started staring at my kids on Sunday morning while I'm on stage talking to them and I'm thinking, what would change if these kids got here from a a healthy, happy home? What would... be different in their lives if mom and dad were happy to see each other when they got home from work every day. Mm-hmm. What would what would peace cause trickle down emotional economics for my ministry area if their parents were having a good marriage. So the why why should churches do that? Mm-hmm. It the marriage will impact every other area of your church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's line two churches up, the one that's not doing anything to cheerlead and and provide tools for marriage versus the one that that's all they focus on. Mm -hmm. What honestly, immediately is is your thought process? Which church is stronger? Uh, Healthy marriages impact economics in a society. Uh, They impact depression rates. They impact uh, finances, but definitely the kids. How many studies are out there on the psychological impacts of a parent's marriage on on a kid? Right. So as a children's pastor, uh, the marriage has everything to do with what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. So, so where does a church start? I feel, I feel like if that's true, and then we just said a minute ago, we don't want to categorize it as a program. Um, where do churches start to help care for the marriages that are within their, their body?
4: And that's the magic question. And I know my first year working with married people, we asked this, that same question an entire year. And we counted up one day how many churches everybody passed on the way into the office. And it was a lot. And the question on the table was this, what can we do to make any church in America, regardless of the size, regardless of the staff, regardless of anyone, how can we give them the capabilities to have an absolutely amazing marriage ministry that matters on Monday through Saturday? What what can we do? And we, we wrote a list down and and the thought process was what do you need to have just a blowing out the doors incredible ministry? And the list was long. Well you need to have some sort of Strategy. So it's no longer curriculum. It's a strategy, a calendar for the year. We need to figure out how to get couples talking. We need to figure out how to get couples talking with each other. We need to give them a platform and a place to gather where they're no longer in isolation and they can be together and realize that, Hey, they're not the only ones dealing with this. Then you'll need speakers. You'll need uh, somebody who can produce some promos, some radios and, and, um, Posters and your Facebook ads and all these things—it can be huge, but they made it possible and they put it all in the strategy so anybody can walk away. One person can champion and put all those components together. They're done for them; they just have to pull the trigger at their church and get it out there. So so
0: then, how? So if one—if it can—it can just be even one person that owns that that they can take something from married people and just make it happen. How you know? I, I think I think a lot of people don't feel capable or qualified because of their own marriages, because marriage is and relationships are complicated. Well, because no
2: marriage is perfect, and if you're inside of one, you know how imperfect they can be.
0: And so how do you find the right kind of people in your church to just kind of own that for your church?
4: That's a a great thought. We... If we're waiting on the perfect marriage to lead marriage ministry, we will no longer have marriage (laughs) ministry
2: in any church anywhere.
4: Um, And I'll admit that. The, The mistake we, I think we run into, is thinking that we have to have it all together to help other people have it all together. Mistake number two is thinking that we have to solve everybody's marriage issues. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be that's very good. easy to be overwhelmed thinking, yes, all these marriages are in stress, and what can I do about that? And all their stresses are different. And that's not your job. This is not course correction. This is prevention. Mm-hmm. This is the eating right and and taking care of your body before the cardiologist visit that, that's mm-hmm. negative. And so having a, a better marriage has nothing to do with working hard or doing the big things. It's all about the small nudges. And we just have to cue the husbands and the wives on doing a small thing every day and, and b- picking up some new habits. That's really where we get into trouble in our marriages is, is, is bad habits. Yeah. So instead of worrying about course corrections, we introduce some new and healthy, easy to do habits into the marriages and watch them gradually get stronger and stronger.
2: So Todd, I want to ask you two questions. One is for the church who does not use married org; They don't use oranges, married people curriculum. What's a good first step for them to begin addressing some of the issues for married people in their church.
4: First off, sit, sit around and with some smart people who love marriages. You don't, don't have to be an expert. I'm not.
2: And they don't have to be staff members.
4: They They could just
2: be people you trust who have great marriages. No,
4: that's the beauty of the married people strategy. They they did it with the volunteer in mind because most churches, I mean, most churches don't have a spot on staff for marriage ministry, but all pastors will admit it's important. So this is that bridge. This is the answer. Okay, well, what can we do with this? Uh, A volunteer can take this and run with it. I'm actually the volunteer marriage ministry uh, leader at my own church. It's not my job description. And I took it as a volunteer originally when we started this seven, eight years ago where we're at.
2: Um, it's a long time. It's a long time. Right. Do you have any volunteer interest in the Atlanta area? <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going.
4: No. You, <laughs> you just grab some people who who will answer this question with a yes. It's our marriage is important in your church. And watch their faces. If they adamantly agree, they they can do it, and they can be the ones, and they can they can actually make it happen.
2: So, if they do have an interest in married people, what are some of the things that that curriculum offers, that strategy offers? Some some of the pluses and positives of onboarding that into a church just to help married people.
4: Sure, they give the process of marriage what we consider to be touch points. Most most people are actively. W- talking about and engaging with their with their marriage less than 10 minutes a month
2: my goodness let's take a minute to think right. about that, that so m- married people less than 10 minutes a month Are investing in their own marriage 10 minutes a month
4: or less or less and wow. every time I throw that stat at wow. everybody goes no it's impossible they don't and then they they start talking slower and slower as they start thinking like, about their own relationship like they start
2: thinking practice, about work right. cleaning right. the house. Yeah. yeah, You get and into there, you know, business couples, management. Right.
0: Like even in my small group, I'll talk, I have a small group of um, moms and we'll talk about, you know, people will say like, you know, I can, I'll be sitting on the sofa with my husband, but we're each on like Facebook and on we'll see each devices. other like yeah. commenting things on Facebook, but we're not talking to each other. Sure.
4: about Anything. And then yeah. and married couples aren't dating anymore for everything that you just said. We, mm-hmm. We've we got things to do and yeah. little people to take and care money. of. And money. We
0: mm-hmm. have bills. We can't afford to go pay a babysitter or. Right. right.
4: So to, to combat that, because it turns out if you want a better relationship, you need to actually spend time with a person.
0: That's shocking.
4: Yeah, you can yeah. Uh, tweet that.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
4: Recent studies. Right.
2: <laughs> Recent studies show you might actually need to talk to your spouse.
4: So married people design touch points that are scattered out throughout the calendar to make that time happen. And it comes in three different forms. The first one is a large group. And they, they try to combat the uh, normal thought process of uh, a marriage conference. A normal marriage conference, people <laughs> go once a year, uh, they decorate with doilies and flowers, they talk about feelings, and they guy bash. Yep. And no guy wants to go to that. Yep. And they, couple after couple will leave a conference discouraged because the, the guy had a horrible time. Right, he was and,
0: miserable. And how
4: how could he? And then she's upset that he didn't have a good time, therefore their, their marriage must be broken. Not true. So married people design these large groups with the guys in mind, and they're, they're tons of fun. You don't talk about your feelings, they, they decorate with guy-friendly uh, <laughs> things at the tables. I, I fly around the states now and do these large groups for people, and uh, one of them I, I went to, they actually had a tractor in the middle of the, the room, and That's it was perfect. a giveaway.
0: It was a giveaway. It
4: was a giveaway. And they gave away things like truckloads of, of mulch and power tools and all kinds of that things. That is so and,
2: cool. Uh, That's a I great would idea. not mind some mulch in my own yard currently. <laughs> Probably not.
4: <laughs> then the, the next one I went and did had a baseball theme and the women all walked away with bouquets of flowers the guys all walked away with bouquets of beef jerky and they served <laughs> cokes and and root beers and popcorn and hot dogs as their their meals but they collected when you signed up to register for this event you had to send in your wedding photo and they had made baseball cards and left on all the tables with the photos of each couple and had the stats on the back.
2: That is such a great idea. Wow. Yeah, it was Created. how many years
4: they'd been married, how many kids they had, where they went to school.
2: That's really cool.
4: And there were footballs. They were throwing back and forth during these events and things. And not to say that the woman's mentality of what a nice event would look like is less important, but here's why every single woman loved that night. Their guy was engaged.
2: Absolutely. Mm
4: -hmm. And they all, all the couples went home, and the guy really had the best three hours that they've had. And remember, 10 minutes or less a month and you just got together for three hours to talk about your marriage. It's
0: like, do the math. That's an investment <laughs> worth it. A, a year. I'm not going to do yours right now. It will not pan out well.
4: <laughs> and The large group setting is really uh, very non-invasive and it's easy to invite other people to um, because you can get lost in a crowd and just listen and learn. And okay. by the by, the end, here's where the magic happens. When all these couples are at round tables. They look around when you're discussing marital issues and, and it clicks. Hey, we're not the only ones. You can see it in their faces as they, they start to melt into your your conversation that you're having from the stage and they'll sip their eyes left and right and realize we are not the only ones dealing with this. We're not alone. And that uh changes the culture. My favorite Sundays are the ones after we have a large group married people event because the couples are engaged and they're they're hanging out with each other again. It's yeah. great.
0: Gosh, that's I mean, I feel like that is and, and again, that is not this big like
2: oh, this big programming and ministry. This you don't have an event. to get a ton of buy-in for that. I feel right. like people would be ready to jump on board with that if it were available. Right? Yeah. Right. It's
4: who wants to get together and have some fun.
2: Exactly. And I don't. <laughs> Sarah hates fun. Right? I hate it, fun. Not it's your true. excuse.
4: Like I said, they're not even dating. So here's your chance. Here's yes. your shot. And we we do childcare and. I actually get half the couples there by promoing in our kids department. We print out movie tickets and say free pizza, free popcorn. Here's one for you. Here's one for a friend. We have free adult care going on. They just have to register at Married People (laughs) right here. That's so So, great. So bring your parents. Listen,
2: anything so, (laughs) this is beside the point, but my neighborhood has this thing on Friday nights where they will keep your children and you can go on a date upstairs in the clubhouse. That's amazing. And I'm like, yes, we will do that every Friday night. Like, why not? And so that's exactly what you're saying. The kids can be with you in the same building. You ride in the same car, you go home in the same car, and it's 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 not expensive at that point because I think that is a
0: you're removing all the reasons not to. Yep. Taking away excuses. Yeah. Absolutely. One at a time.
2: That's so great. Yeah.
0: So what can wh- where do churches go? Because I feel like this is like easy something to like. This is low hanging fruit for churches. Like if you aren't doing this, this is such a great first step. Where do churches go? to get involved with married
4: people. Well, they can look initially at the marriedpeople.org and yeah. they can get more info there.
2: Yeah. But what about you individually, Todd? What if they want to reach out to you specifically?
4: Oh, absolutely. They can they can contact me. Um my my Twitter handle is we recently changed it.
2: Oh, okay. It's oh. Tgram83. Okay. All right. Easier I'm glad to spell. that we pushed through T-gram that. Tgram83. <laughs>
0: Got it. You're right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks, absolutely. Todd.
3: Well, what an absolutely incredible episode of the Think Orange podcast. Not only did we have a TED Talk, we also had a Todd Talk. A TED Talk and a Todd Talk. That's a, what do you think, Kevin Jennings? You think that will catch on? Yes. Brilliant. Uh, your enthusiasm for this idea absolutely astounds me. We had a TED Talk, we had a Todd Talk, and I really hope that what you got out of this was some practical guidelines on how you can create a volunteer led marriage ministry at your. Church, if you did, we would love to hear from you. We would love it if you could tweet at us using the hashtag ThinkOrangePodcast, or you can use the hashtag T-O-P, T-O-P, Think Orange Podcast. That makes sense, right, Kevin Jennings Sr.? Makes sense. Okay, so tweet at us. Tell us what you got out of today's episode using those hashtags. We will make sure to respond. Also, if this uh, episode was helpful for you, we would love it if you could subscribe to this podcast on either Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Now, when you subscribe, what that does is it sends the algorithm into a little bit of a frenzy, and more people get an opportunity to listen to this podcast. So please go and subscribe right now. It also helps if you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. So if you've got a minute and you just want to serve us in some way because You know you get such great content every episode. Make sure you leave a rating and review as well. And check out the show notes for this episode at thinkorangepodcast.com, thinkorangepodcast.com. And I just want to give you one more thing to do, and this is not for me. This is for you. I want you to win two tickets to the 2019 Orange Conference here in Atlanta. So all you need to do is go to Instagram, follow me, at Aussie Dave, A-U-S-S-I-E, Dave, Follow me and then comment with the Orange Conference on any of my posts and you will go in the running to win two tickets to the 2019 Orange Conference. So make sure you go and do that as well. Share this episode with a friend. Share the information in it with a friend. And hopefully it makes a big difference in your church. Thanks again so much for listening to episode 76. We'll see you next time for episode 77. 77. Wow, we've been here for 77 episodes. That is incredible, isn't it, Kevin Jennings Sr.? Yes. And thank you so much for your enthusiasm today, Kevin. just When I'm sitting here on my own, sometimes I really need some momentum and you provide it so often with that infectious energy that you bring. No problem. (laughs) Hey, and here's the deal. I want Kevin Jennings Sr. if he can push his little face up against the portal window one more time and to give us the last line of our regular outro. Folks, whenever you think next generation, Mm think
0: Thank you. Thank
3: you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast.
0: Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.